0: Well, good morning. Hey, if you guys uh, wouldn't mind doing me a quick favor, if you don't mind just kind of squeezing in towards the middle, if you're on the outside, if you'll just kind of scoot over a couple of seats over, that would be wonderful. Um, we'll get nice and comfy together. Um if we haven't met, my name is Nathan McGahee, and I'm the uh, student director here at Local Church Dawson. Um, I hope, thank you, look at that, got some students right there. Um, uh, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, lots of uh, full bellies and long naps. I know I took some long naps. You with kids are like, we don't get naps, that doesn't happen. I get it, it's okay. Um, but, uh, if, like I said, my name is Nathan McGahey, I'm the student pastor here, and uh, last time that I was with you, I was an engaged man, but as of October 23rd, I'm a married man now. So, yes. Um, so, first month of marriage has been great, and for you that are well-seasoned in marriage, I get it. It's okay. You don't have to tell me. Wait five years, and then, you know, you'll fight all the time. It, just let us have it, all right? For right now, just let us have it, okay? Thank you. Thank you for the clapping. Um, hey, also, uh, I have been majorly, majorly blessed with an incredible group of middle schoolers and high school students, um, and we have seen some awesome life change. I want to point out one specific one that we did last week. We uh, baptized Miss Abby Freeman, which was amazing, yep, um, so, uh, I won't point her out, but she's in this room right now, and she or her face is probably so red. Um, but so uh, it's been super, super cool to see the life changes that have happened in our student ministry. So, uh, with that being said, if you will open up your Bible, turn to James. Chapter 5. We'll be in James chapter 5. We'll only hit a few verses. Um, We'll be in verses 13 through 16. Um, If you don't have your Bible with you, that's totally fine. We'll have the scripture up on the screen for you. If you don't own a Bible, uh, we have Bibles for you out in the lobby. Um, Just don't even ask anybody if you can take one. Just take one. It's all for you. So uh, grab you a Bible if you don't own a Bible, and then you can bring it with you next time. So uh, James chapter 5, we'll be in verses 13 through 16. But uh, before I Read that text for us. Um, there's something I think I, I think is majorly important that I want to point out uh, about the book of James. Just in general, James is a very very practical book. Very practical. Lots of great wisdom that you can pull from this book. But it's easy to read the book of James and think that you have to do this all by yourself. Like all these things that James is telling us to do, you have to do it on your own power. Now, here's what I want you to not walk away with. Okay. James, although is a practical book, and it is important, it is important that we put in effort as a Christian. We cannot earn our salvation. There's a difference between putting in effort into what, you know, what Christ has already earned for us. You see the the difference there? So what I want us to understand is that what I'm going to talk about is highly practical. It's things for you to do. James is telling us and giving us great wisdom here. But this is all for the purpose of what has been done for us through Jesus Christ's blood. So, just wanted to give that preface. Now, let me read our text, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It says this: Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? Uh, Father, thank you for your words. Um, it's such a gift that we get to read what you have said to us, that we have something tangible that we can actually dig into and study and learn from and be molded by. Thank you for James um, writing this for us to, to read and learn um, and to grow in. Father, I, I pray that, um, that we will always remember and always remain grateful for what you have done for us through your son. And that this is just a response to what you've done for us, um, Father. I pray that um, that you will just guide us in the way of the Spirit. That as we communicate with you, that is for the purpose of glorifying you and building a deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, so, uh, most of us, uh, I would, I would say most of us, if not all of us in this room have had some kind of experience in our life where, uh, we were maybe told some news or something happened in our life that completely took us off path. So we had this, this direction, this, um, path that we were going, that that was the way it was going to be. That's the way my life is going to be. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go be that. And then all of a sudden some news just changes your life. And you just, you're on this highway, and then all of a sudden, your GPS takes you on a different exit. You're like, well, what do I do now? And to never see that highway again. For me, I have this experience where I was given some news that absolutely changed the course of my life. So um, when I was about a year and a half old to all the way about till junior year of high school, the summer before junior year of high school, so a span of about 16 years, I lived in Tallahassee, Florida. I didn't live in Georgia. Then, all of a sudden, in 2013, uh, my dad comes to me and says, I've gotten a job in Alpharetta, Georgia. I'm like, that's a joke. Like, so what you're telling me is that you're going to leave, and we're going to stay here, and you're going to go do your job, and you're going to commute back and forth from Florida to Georgia? No, that's not what he said. He said, we're moving to Georgia. And I was devastated. Like, I can't. I can't believe, I was so mad at my parents, I can't believe that you would take me from everything I've ever known. Tallahassee was the place where, um, let let me tell you, it's not the place of Tallahassee that's great. Uh, If any of you have ever been, I don't know why you've been, you probably should never go back. Tallahassee is just not that great of a place, okay? Um, But it wasn't the place that I was concerned about, it was the people. It was the friends that I made. It was the memories that I had made. This is where I started playing basketball. This is where I learned to play basketball, uh, where I remember I have memories of me and my dad out in the driveway, and he's teaching me how to dribble and shoot and all this stuff. This is where uh, I learned how to play drums. Um, this is where my infamous rap career started. It was, um, yeah, I knew I was going to be famous as soon as I started rapping, but uh, it's a joke. So, uh, but Tallahassee was literally, like, it was all I knew, all I knew. Because from the time of a year and a half old, I mean, I don't know what's going on at that point. I was actually born in Georgia, but a year and a half and 16 years later, I mean, I figured Tallahassee was just where I was going to be the rest of my life. And so I was, naturally, I was devastated. So we, we end up moving to Georgia. I want, I want to give you a picture of, of kind of what my life and often probably your life may have looked like. So, you know, I'm, I'm living my best life in Tallahassee, and then all of a sudden, we move down to Georgia, or move up to Georgia. And my life just felt like it just crashed and burned, right? I left everything that I ever knew to go to a place where I didn't know anybody. I had to go to a school where literally there's like 3,000 kids there, and none of them know me. I know none of them, and I, I was so uncomfortable, it It may be hard to believe, but naturally, I'm actually an introvert, and so having to be around a whole bunch of people all the time is difficult for me, and especially when I don't know them, and so I had to go into a school where I knew nobody, and I just, I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me, but then started making some friends. Okay, so life starts to kind of turn around a little bit. I get uh, invited to a place called uh, The Warehouse, which The Warehouse was, um, uh, it's no longer there, but uh, it was basically like a Saturday night worship thing. And so um, my friends that I had made invited me there. I made some more friends, and, and these were like really good friends that I made because one of them that I made early on was actually just in my wedding, so he's still my best friend. And um, so a lot of good things started to happen. I actually, uh, at this time, I met a, a girl and started dating a girl. And so it was like, all right, I, I'm okay with this move now. I guess I can handle it. You know, slowly Georgia started to feel like home, okay? But then, then that girl broke up with me. <clears throat> um, don't ask why. Uh, she broke up with me, but that was just the kind of the fuse that, that lit the firework of uh, me going completely downhill. I started to question everything, including my faith. And so I got to a point where I was asking questions that nobody could answer. I even went to my youth pastor at the time and said, hey, I don't want to follow Jesus anymore. And so I got, to, uh, I got to a point where I was anxious, where I was depressed, and I even considered suicide. Like at the lowest point of my life, I was considering suicide. And so that's where I was for a solid two years of my life. And then um, things started to turn around. And so uh, I... This is just, this still blows my mind today. So, in a span of about two years, um, I get an internship at a, a, a big church, and so that got me some, you know, some recognition with other churches. And then I get a student ministry job. And uh, all at the same time, I, I get a free trip to go to Israel. And I'm like, this is what is happening. This is amazing. So, like, obviously my life is going up and up and up. And then I meet a girl on an online dating app that I was, like, swore off online dating apps. And that girl is now my wife. And so all these things, all these things were happening. It was, like, all the way up into the point where I'm at now where I get to be at this incredible church. And so, but here's the thing. We all know that I'm probably not gonna stay here forever. There's probably gonna be more and more and more and more and more and more, right? And we've all experienced that as life. You've been here and you've been here. Now here's where you and I might be different. The points where I specifically, talk to God, are at these points right here. Some of you may be different. Some of you, you might talk to God at these points up here, where everything is going super well. Like, God, thank you for everything you're doing. I wasn't at that point. Every time I got to a low, my first thought was to go to God. And you may be different, like I said. But here's the thing. If If I am just praying here, and you, if you're different, or you may be the same, if you are praying just here, both of us are doing it wrong. We're both doing it wrong. James, let me read 13 and 14 again. It says this, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. So that was me, right? Struggling, I prayed. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with the oil in the name of the Lord. So what James is trying to get at here is that he is pointing us to pray without ceasing, not just praying only here or only here. Or even if you're doing both, where you pray when you're struggling and you pray when things are perfect, we're still missing it because there's so much of life in between that we're missing. And so what James is telling us to do is to pray without ceasing. Now, Praying without ceasing does not mean that you're in your car and you're like, oh, crap, I need to pray. And then, you know, you, you bow your head, close your eyes, then you, then you hit somebody on the road, right? Don't, please don't bow your head and close your eyes while you're driving, okay? This is not what that means. Praying without ceasing is essentially communicating with God at all times. Now, communication with God looks different in different aspects of life, in different times of life, in different points of the day. It all looks different. But praying without ceasing is having this idea of you are with God at all times. You, have, you know that the Holy Spirit is in you and you can communicate with God at any point during the day. Praying without ceasing is just being with God throughout the entire day. It doesn't always mean bowing your head, closing your eyes, and praying. So James is calling us to pray without ceasing. Now, once he was established, When we are to pray, which is essentially all throughout life, all the time, he kind of goes into how to pray. And this is where it can get a little tricky. Verse uh, 15 says this And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So when I initially read that, had to do a little bit more digging. When I initially read that, My first thought was, so what you're telling me here, James, is that if I have a friend or a family member who's sick, and I pray for that family member, they're going to be healed. That's what it sounds like, right? That as soon as I pray, if I just have enough faith, and I pray for that person, God's going to heal them. Here's what I don't think. I don't think that that's not possible. I believe in a healing God. But I don't think what James is telling us or what he's mentioning here is purely physical healing. Because then he goes on and he says, the Lord will make the sick person well, the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So this is a spiritual healing as well. Because your sins being forgiven is also healing. So he's not just talking about physical healing, but even then, I think what James is getting at here is this piece, and the prayer offered in faith. I think that that's the main point of this particular verse: the prayer offered in faith. Let me help. Let me help explain that. So, um, a lot of you in this room have kids, and your kids might even be in here with you. Uh, I don't have kids, but I do have a middle school ministry, so I feel like it's like somewhat similar because um, they're wild. But um, I don't have kids, and some of you may not have kids in this room, but I feel like we can all relate to this. All right. So every Sunday, almost—I won't say every. Almost every Sunday, I have a kid that comes up to me and demands something of me. Like, hey, Pastor Nathan, give me a piece of candy. I'm like, no, go away, right? But your kids, I'm sure at some point, have demanded something of you. They didn't ask, and then you're like, what's the magic word? Give me. Like, it's not, it's not please. They don't, they don't ask, right? Because there's a difference, because what you're noticing is there's a difference between asking and demanding. Most of you, and if, you, if you've heard this before, you need to all teach us how to parent, but most of you, if not all of you, have probably never heard your kid come up to you and say, Father, Mother, if it be in my best will, and if it be in the best will of my brothers and my sisters and of yours, may I please, please have a piece of candy. If you've heard that before, you you are the parent of the year okay because we don't hear that i don't say that i'm 25 i don't say that to my parents father mother if it be in your will i'd like a new car like no they they're not gonna they'll be like hey i don't care that you asked pay for it right so they we don't hear this because what we are used to and this is what we tend to do with god as well rather than ask we demand. And what James is telling us here is not to pray in demand, but to pray in faith, to pray by asking. Let me, let me put it this way. Um, we are not telling God what he should do. We're asking God for what he could do. See the difference? We're not, we're not telling God, you're going to do this for me. We're asking God, hey, I, I know that you can do this because you're a sovereign God. You're a mighty, you're a big, you're a miracle-working God and I'm asking you to do this. There's a major difference between praying in faith, which is asking God for what he could do, knowing, knowing that he can do it, to pray boldly enough to say, God, I know that you can do this, and I'm gonna ask in confidence. But then there's the other piece, of at the same time knowing that God's will is much better than yours. It's much better than mine. We have the perfect example of what praying in faith looks like. And of course, it's the man Jesus. Right before Jesus goes to die, the day before he is going to be pinned up on a cross and suffer for all of us in this room, for myself, for many, many, many people, he goes and he prays to his father the day before in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is, what, this is what blows my mind. This is what he says. And here's the thing. All four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, tell this story. So I feel like it's, it's important. Um, this is what he says. He says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So what he's saying here. God, if there's a different way, if there's a different way to do this, (laughs) like, I I don't want to suffer. If there's another route where these people's sins can be, you know, can be atoned for and all this stuff, if there's a different way to do that, that's the way I want to do it. But, not as I will, but as you will. So what Jesus did here was gave us the perfect example of what it looks like to pray confidently, to ask for something, knowing that God could take him away from this, but at the same time saying, but your will is better than mine, and I'm going to trust what you know is best for me. So what Jesus did here and what I'm asking you to do and what James is asking us to do is to pray confidently and humbly, to pray boldly and open-handed. It may feel like an either-or, Like, how do do you pray confidently and humbly? I feel like it's a, you either pray confidently or you pray humbly. But if it was a both for Jesus, it's a both for you and me. Because you see the difference. Praying confidently that God is good enough, strong enough, big enough to do what you are asking for, but also humbly enough to say that my will is probably not the best. Because if I sin every single day against God, I probably don't know what's best for my future, what's best for my family, what's best for me in particular. Like, that's what he's asking. Say, hey, just pray confidently. Pray in faith. But at the same time, know that God's going to do what is best for you. But that shouldn't stop you from asking. Now, uh, James kind of goes into uh, a little bit of a a left turn here in verse 16. Let me read it for us again. Uh, But if we look at it carefully, it makes a lot of sense when it comes to the rest of this passage. He says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful ineffective. In our student ministry, we just, uh, we finished up a uh, a series on forgiveness. And by far, by far, this is one of my favorite series that we've done. And I can tell you this, it's not because of the preaching. It was genuinely because of what happened in our students' lives and in our volunteers' lives as well. Because here's what I got to witness. This is why I love my job so much. This is what I got to uh, witness. We talk about forgiveness for three weeks, and I I point to this passage, James 5, 16. I point to that multiple times, and I say, hey, we are called to confess our sins to one another. I know it feels weird. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's difficult, but we're called to confess our sins to one another, and it feels weird because your kids, our students of this church, live in a culture where being open, being transparent, being vulnerable about real things is seen as weakness, and that breaks my heart. Because I, Jesus, sees it as strength to be open, to be honest, and to confess their sins to one another. So what we did is we gave them that opportunity to be vulnerable, to be transparent with their volunteers, with each other, and what I noticed, and what I saw and what my volunteers saw, because I had plenty of conversation with them after, what they saw was a weight just being lifted off their shoulders. Just recognizing how freeing it is to just be open. Say, God, like, I'm struggling. This is like, this is hard. It, let me tell you something. If you don't already know this, it's hard to be a middle schooler and a high schooler right now. It's hard. I mean, I've got it easy <laughs> compared to them. The things that they're going through, to be able to just say, This is difficult. I did this and I need forgiveness. And to receive it is freeing for them. It's freeing for all of us. And so I got that opportunity to see what the students are recognizing now. And what James is trying to point out here, that sin is going to get in the way of your relationship with God. And what James is talking about is that sin will hinder your prayer life. If you just leave a whole lot of sin unchecked, unconfessed, it's going to to mess up that relationship and that communication that you have with God. It's essentially like you're you're talking to God face-to-face, having good communication, but when you decide to sin, it's like you saying, this over here is more important, so I'm going to start walking this way. But then repentance, confession, is essentially saying, I don't need that, I've messed up, and I'm going to turn from that sin and turn back to God. And you can see how communication happens this way. It doesn't happen this way. And so what James is telling us here is that the sin that you have in your life does not disqualify you from a relationship with God, but it will hinder your communication with him. And so he just, he's asking us, Confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to God because he's faithful and he's just to forgive. But uh, a Christian author wrote it this way that I think he summarizes really well what James is getting at. His name uh, is Frederick Beekner, and he says this. To confess your sins to God is not to tell him anything that he doesn't already know. Until you confess them, however, they are the abyss between you. And when you confess them, they become the bridge. uh, I, I couldn't have said it any better, shouldn't even try. But that's what he's getting at here. So back to what I said at the beginning. I personally, I pray during these times. You may be like me and pray during these times. That's when you pray the most. Or you may be on the opposite end of the spectrum and you pray up here. But the bottom line is, is that we're missing something. We're missing that constant communication with God throughout life. It's not fitting God into our schedule. It's us trying to fit ourselves into God's schedule. We are in his drama. He's not in ours. And so when we spend time and communicate with God throughout the, all of life, naturally our relationship with him is going to deepen. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to try to help you um, just because I know that I struggle, not because I look at y'all and I'm like, man, none of y'all pray. It's, it's me that struggles as well. So I wanted to help. Now on your seat, uh, you have this card. It's the Acts prayer method. Um, Let me just explain it really quick. This is an ancient, like, this acronym. I did not come up with this. This has been around for a very long time. But if you've heard of this, great. This will be a good reminder. If you haven't heard of this, this has been super helpful for me. Um, So the A in the ACTS acronym, the A stands for adoration. Essentially, all that's saying is when you're praying, just adore God for who he is, his characteristics, his attributes, and just be in awe of who he is because he's amazing. If you just read scripture, you'll see how big and mighty and incredible our God is, how holy our God is. So just be in awe. Walk outside and you can just look at creation and see that well, I couldn't have created that. That's A, adoration. C, confession. We just talked about this. Um, 1 John 1.9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive and will purify us from all unrighteousness. So it's an invitation to just confess your sins to God. What's, what has been brewing in your heart that you know needs to be talked through with your heavenly father? Confess your sins to God because he will forgive you. The T is thanksgiving. Um, we, just, uh, we just finished up. Thanksgiving holiday, uh, Thanksgiving and just giving thanks in general doesn't stop after Thanksgiving, right? It's, I mean, I know we do it the most on that day, but uh, we can continue that spirit of gratitude. Uh, and so Thanksgiving is, there's a difference between Thanksgiving and adoration, right? Adoration is looking and seeing who God is and just being uh, in awe of who he is. Thanksgiving is thanking God for what he's done. See the difference? Like, God, you are incredible and You have also blessed me beyond measure. You've done this and you've done this and I I can't believe you did this. And so Thanksgiving is essentially just thanking God for what he's done in your life, what he's doing in your life and what he's going to do in your life. And finally, supplication is the last one. The S is supplication. That's just a big word uh, for praying for your needs and praying for the needs of others. right, Uh, intercessory prayer is essentially praying for those that are in need uh, on their behalf. Supplication is just essentially just praying for yourself and praying for those in need, praying for the the needs of the other people around you and your family, your friends, your church, your nation, whatever. But here's the thing. If you'll notice, the S is last. It's last because I think this is important. Um, Once you get done adoring God, confessing your sins to God, thanking God for his mercy and his grace and, and just all the things that he's done, then you can start talking about yourself. You see how that works? Because I think those first three are gonna shift how you do the last one. And it is not wrong to pray for your needs. It's not. So don't take it as like, well, I guess I can never pray for myself. But, no, you can, you can pray. It's, we are asked, we are told Ask and you will receive, right? Knock and you will, like, it's, there's, it's all over the scripture to pray, to ask God for what you need. But I think it's, it's kind of funny how it's last. But I'll step off my soapbox on that one. But um, that card is for you uh, to take home with you, uh, put it on your fridge, put it on your mirror, throw it away if you need to. That's fine if you got it memorized. But, um, or, you know, put it in your wallet. Do whatever you got to do, but that's for you. But here's the thing. Here's what I want. Uh, I think the most important part about this is that this is not a formula. This is not like, all right, Nathan just gave me the one way to pray. There's no other way besides this little card. This is it, and this is how I get into heaven if I pray this exactly every day. It's not. It's not the way. Prayer and communication with God is never a formula. Never. All of you in this room have relationships with other people, whether it's your spouse, it's your kids, it's your friends, it's your parents, it's your in-laws, it's your whatever. You all have a relationship with someone in this room. But if you'll notice, that relationship didn't happen by some formulaic way of building that relationship. It didn't happen that way. It happened over time with ebbs and flows, with good memories, with bad memories, with deep conversations, with surface level conversations. It's just, it all is a part of building a relationship. It was never formulaic. It was never a to-do list. It was never a checkbox. It was just spending time. It was just being in the proximity of that person and talking and communicating and laughing and crying, that's it. It's the same with God. It's the same. Your communication with God is not meant to be a formula. It's meant to be real. And so that's my hope for you. As Brian has been talking about the past couple weeks, he's been telling us to slow down. Just slow down. And I think prayer is a great way of doing that. If you will just take the time, as James is telling us, if you'll just take the time to slow down. Slow down. Be quiet. Be still. And just be with God. To voice your frustrations. To voice your gratitude. To just be there. If we do that, if we truly want a relationship with God, it starts with communication with Him. This right here, God has spoken to us. It's our job to speak back. It's our job to respond. And here's the reason I put scripture by each one. Because I'm going to challenge you. Some of you may have not done this before. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be uncomfortable if you've never done this. But I put those scriptures there for you to pray those scriptures. Not to pray in your own words, but to pray God's words back to him. And so what I want you to do, at some point, you can do them one at a time, you can do them all in one sitting, but find these scriptures and pray them back to God. Because one of the best ways we can respond to God is to talk back to him using his own words. Because they're perfect and they're holy. So my prayer for you is that you will saturate your life in communication with him. That's it. So let me pray for us. We'll sing one more song, and then we will be out of here. Father, um, you are so good. You're so good. Thank you for... um, sending your son to suffer for us, for giving us your words so that we can read them and let them change us and that we can pray them right back to you, that we can lament, that we can praise, that we can sing songs of joy. Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. I pray that if anybody in this room doesn't know or hasn't experienced that mercy and that grace through what your son has done for us, that that you will draw them near to you. Please, Father. God, and for those in the room that have experienced your mercy and grace, that they will continue to communicate with you, to spend time with you, including myself, so that we can deepen our relationship with you, that we can fully rely upon you and not ourselves. So Father, we give you our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name.